Before we begin today's story, I want to take a moment to talk about how you can support this show and the work being done with the project. Everything I do is in joyful service of the same goal, to help people connect with their shared lived experiences so that we may heal together from the inside out. Asking for money, or any help for that matter, is not something that comes naturally to me, especially when I have a paying job and people naturally might assume that I can keep up with the pace. So instead of burning myself out, I'm practicing what I preach and asking for the support I need to keep going. In order to justify the time it takes to write and produce this podcast and its accompanying newsletter, I'm asking for your support. Your subscription for $5 a month, and that's it, makes it all possible. If you're a free subscriber, you get my weekly story project newsletter and my What's Your Story podcast episodes for free delivered right to your inbox without doing anything at all. And it's important to me that everyone who wants access to my content can get it, regardless of their means. But if you're looking for something specific, more personal and connected, then upgrading your subscription for $5 a month is the way to do it. You get everything that I've already listed above, plus an added new layer of interactive features beyond the typical podcast offerings of ad-free listening, such as full access to my regular subscriber Q&As, where each week I answer a handful of reader questions about mental and physical health, as well as share some of the deeper details from the stories you hear right here on the podcast. You get periodic Google Meet Hangouts with me, bonus episodes of this podcast, and the ability to pitch stories and or ideas for the newsletter. Not to mention access to my full archive of content and other fun extras like live chat sessions and more. Buckle up, because becoming a paid member of this newsletter and its accompanying podcast is now the best way to support my content and to become a more active part of the storyteller community. And even without using any of the new features I listed, becoming a paid subscriber means that you're committing to helping me grow this platform and share stories in order to bring people closer together and collectively heal from whatever troubles us. Abuse doesn't always look like a black eye. It's not always loud and explosive, and it's not always easy for the loved ones of its victims to pick up on it. Sometimes abuse is silent. Sometimes it comes packaged in a handsome face and seemingly romantic gestures. Sometimes it presents itself as a winding ride that makes the victim second-guess if they are truly being mistreated, or if it's all in their head. Abuse can take on so many different forms, but always. It's so very, very lonely. Maybe they don't hit you, but they make you apologize for getting upset after something they did to hurt you. Maybe they don't hit you, but you have to walk on eggshells every day to ensure they are satisfied enough to remain calm and happy. Maybe they don't hit you, but they steal your sense of comfort and security, leaving you paranoid and crazy. So they brought you flowers on Tuesday and made you feel like a princess yet cause you to cry yourself to sleep on Wednesday over a, quote, suspicious person liking your picture. Maybe they bought you earrings and made you feel so secure on Friday, but told you Saturday night they're going to sleep with someone else, all because you decided to stand up for yourself for once. Maybe you did everything right, but they still want to victimize themselves just so they don't have to put in effort to right their wrongs. This is not okay, and you are not at fault. Do not apologize for their mistakes. Do not let them tear you apart to build themselves higher. 
You are worthy of love, happiness, and respect. So please, don't wait for them to change as they carelessly rip apart your soul and everything that is you. Please don't tell yourself it's okay or ever allow yourself to get used to it. They are broken. Do not let them break you. It takes a brave voice to stand up and share personal details with the world. And in the face of her own turmoil, our storyteller this week, Natasha, has chosen to use her story to empower others to know their worth and never settle for poor treatment. From Fragile Moments and Not Today Media, I'm JD, and this is story number 42 of the What's Your Story podcast. No hands required. Well, my name is Natasha. Um, I'm a stay-at-home mom currently. Um, I used to be in uh, psychology in college. Um, I hope to eventually return to that. Uh, But for now, I'm probably just going to be going back into the workforce to get some money to go back to school. (laughs) (laughs) Got to start over after, uh, you know... After separation and stuff, uh, you know, newly single mom with three kids, it it usually is just kind of starting over. And I mean, that's kind of part of the struggle as well that I think most, uh, you know, divorced or whether they were married or not, we weren't. Um, uh, When you're newly separated and you're quite reliant on your partner when you are a stay-at-home mom, uh, then having to regain that dependence can be extremely hard. (laughs) Yeah. Find, find your ground all yeah, over again, absolutely. right? absolutely. Um, and realizing, you know, having yeah. such a gap on your resume um, from not working for so long can make it harder to uh, get jobs yeah. as well. Um, not having all the bills in your name that affects your credit, all those kinds of things make sure. a huge difference. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Anyway, so for my experience, um, I would say with, you know, the separation itself has been a wonderful um, thing for me now that I can go back and reflect on everything that happened in the relationship. But while I was in it, it was extremely confusing. Um, there was definitely a lot of emotional, mental abuse. And I was pretty aware that that was going on, but not really to the level of where it was at. Yeah. Um, and then... I wasn't fully aware until I started reaching out into the system. Um, I had victim services contact me a couple of times um, and they kind of clarified it for me further than I would have ever understood um, that, yeah, there was actually physical and sexual abuse going on in the relationship as well. Um, And while it might seem kind of funny, like how would you not recognize those things? But it's because we so often go to the drastic things. Um, You know, we assume if somebody is sexually or physically abused, that that also means that, you know, they were hit, they were held down and forced to have sex, um, things like that, that, you know, that that's where people's minds go. And when you don't have that aspect, if you don't fully understand what what classifies as abuse, you, you might not even really realize it's going on. 
And so in my yeah. own relationship, it wasn't, he wasn't hitting me. He wasn't, you know, holding me down, things like that. But he would make himself really big, um, intimidate, like physically intimidate without actually putting his hands necessarily on me. He would charge at me. He would block doorways, um, things like that. And so while those things were intimidating and scary, I didn't recognize that it was abuse. So um, things like that, like that, that's kind of where, you know, I would love for other people to get a further understanding in what all, what the, all of the aspects are of abuse so that they can really recognize like the dynamics of it in their own life. Or even if they are the person that is the abuser, like, oh, things aren't okay. So yeah, this isn't, this isn't, this is, can be viewed as, as from this angle. And I didn't even realize it. Yeah, it yeah, goes both absolutely. ways, right? Um, and, you know, I have heard of people, um, one of my friends actually came out to me recently saying that uh, he used to be a narcissist. Um, and, you know, you don't hear that very often where someone is a narcissist and they've realized no. it. But, yeah. you know, with sharing information like this, I feel like there might be more hope for that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. And then in regards to like physical abuse or sorry, sexual abuse, like I said, like I wasn't held down and forced against my will. And so I didn't really feel like that was happening, but there wasn't a respect for my no. So when I was pregnant with my second son, for some reason that we, we never really could figure out what was going on, but I was experiencing a lot of pain when we'd have intercourse. And so naturally I didn't really want to. And then, you know, it was a lot of guilt tactic. So I would get, well, I don't feel loved. I feel rejected. Can you just try, like, just kind of constantly poking and prodding and guilting until eventually I would just shut down and kind of just, okay, whatever, like, just let it happen type thing. And so, yeah, it took me three and a half years to figure out that that was actually abuse and not okay. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and you know, while I knew it was uncomfortable, absolutely. Um, you know, and that affected our relationship in so many more ways too, because I no longer really felt respected. I didn't feel like I could trust him. Um, so then that played out more. And of course that would make me even less desiring to have intercourse with him. And then that would, you know, trigger even more rejection. And then that would trigger that cycle again. And I fully understand where, it comes from from him. I don't think it was any type of he was trying to hurt me, but he was so focused on his own feelings and desires of feeling rejected that he wasn't able to respect how I was yeah. feeling and what my needs were. Yeah. And more or less that it wasn't okay when I say no, I say no. Like end of story. Yeah. <laughs> so so walk walk back through those. I think you said three three and a half years, you know, together, and not necessarily like you know in detail, but you know, where where were where were you at, you know, you know, mentally and and emotionally through all of that, and you know, day by day, month by month, year by yeah. year, you know, where where did it start, and what did it like, you know, kind of fester into. Um, by the time you reached a, a breaking um, point, well, so to speak. Um, I would say not that I recognize it all right away, but now looking back on it, the abuse started right from the beginning of the relationship. Um, you know, I won't say that he is a narcissist. Um, 
I do believe there are some people in his family that <laughs> might be. Um, for might for be. him, I don't think that he is a narcissist. He has some narcissistic tendencies. Um, I would say that many of us have some to some degree. Um, but I noticed a lot of the, I notice now that there was always the, the cycles of the love bombing. And so, you know, grandiose kind of expression and, you know, I'll do better and, you know, all these promises and giving you hope more or less than anything. And then eventually, you know, it would get comfortable, that would phase off. And then there would be a lot of, um, you know, uh, remarks towards myself belittling and things like that. Um, and then if something went too far where he said something that was just way across the line, then it would go back into the, oh, I'm sorry, I'll do better, you know, like love bombing and, you know, doing all the things yeah. to show that they care. Um, so that stuff yeah. started really early on within probably the first month or two of us dating. Um, but I, at that time, I just, I didn't recognize it. And unfortunately, I know now yeah. that... I had been kind of used to those cycles in my life from other people. And so I didn't recognize that as an abnormal thing. <laughs> I also. Yeah. And probably didn't want to recognize it either. Right. I mean, at the beginning of a relationship, like, you know, you don't necessarily want to, to remove those blinders just yet. You know, it's like, no, I just met this can't be like, yeah. the, you know, well, right. And with my work in psychology, and then I've also went through years of therapy myself. Um, and between the two of them, I have recently recognized the um, desire to kind of relive those situations. So in, in a sense, I think that subconsciously I knew something was wrong right from the beginning. But it was reliving some stuff from my own past that more or less I was trying to go through that with the hopes of a better outcome. And so sometimes we subconsciously yeah. can do that to try to heal an old trauma, but we end up just re-traumatizing ourselves. Sure. Instead. So yeah. I kind of recognize that going on as well. Uh, like I said, I didn't recognize it until more recently, but I'm glad that I have recognized that now so I can sure. avoid it in the future. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so I noticed that stuff going on. Um, well, I noticed now that all of that was starting very early in the relationship. Um, and yeah, it kind of just continued on. I think, uh, we were in a, in the relationship for maybe about six months before we ended up pregnant. And at that point I actually almost left him, um, because of how uncomfortable I was with what was going on sexually. And we were fighting so much that I was like, this isn't healthy. Um, we this went is, to couples yeah. therapy didn't really help a whole lot. Um, we actually ended up breaking up in a therapy session and then went home and he convinced me to stay. So this podcast is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy is something that should be taken seriously. And while this may be another sponsored ad, my relationship with BetterHelp is personal because for the past year I've been using BetterHelp to gain my own mental clarity. I can sit here all day and tell you to seek help, but the truth is, we're in this together. In the end, without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is, therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? Well, it's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help, or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships, or simply not dealing with stress very well. 
Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed or scared of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't even have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. Join the millions of people, myself included, who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's, it's always a good time to invest in yourself because you're your greatest asset. As a special offer to listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash fragile moments. That's betterhelp.com slash fragile moments. And remember, just because you need help doesn't mean you're not worth helping. Um, yeah, again, there was a lot of the, okay, like, I know I've made mistakes and, you know, like, give me a chance. I'll go to my own personal therapy and I'll do better and all these things, um, that didn't really happen. Um, yeah. And then he had, when I was on maternity leave, he had lost his job. Um, that's not his fault. But then there was a lot of, well, you need to get back to work. You need to make an income while I have a newborn baby at home trying to finish some psychology studies. Like it just, it wasn't, it didn't really make sense. There wasn't a balance yeah. there. Um, yeah. Doesn't sound like yeah. it at all. So, you know, then there was a lot of stress and pressure between that kind of stuff as well. Um, and then this is all just prior to COVID as well. So COVID hit and <laughs> then life got even crazier. Also, because of that, that kind of blew everything under the rug because there was other pressing issues going on in life. And it was almost like, even if this isn't ideal or a happy relationship, like at this time, it's like we need to all support each other as much as we can. And so it was just kind of, we stuck together and, you know, like we were still fighting, but a lot of the stuff was kind of just brushed off to the side. So, yeah. you know, that kind of made things go on longer. Um, and then when, you know, everything kind of calmed down uh, surrounding COVID, things started to kind of go back to normal a little bit. Okay. That's when I started being a lot more aware of uh, really what was going on and being able to focus more on that. Um, so we did go back to couples therapy again. Um, we had some breakthroughs with that, but in the end, it still wasn't enough either. And, you know, again, the relationship ended. Um, sorry, we also did, um, after my second son was born, I was pregnant six months later with our last, our youngest son. And so they're quite close in age as well. But with all of that, yeah. again, like it was just more reason almost to try to keep making the relationship work. Making even even sure, with all sure. the crazy stuff going on, um, it just it felt like okay, like we've got a big family. Like if we can make it work, that's better. Um, now I see like maybe not. <laughs> you know, if they're subjected not, to yeah. all the fighting and stuff, that's not good for them either. No, absolutely. Yeah, right? yeah. and so um, the turning point I would say for me, like we separated, um, and then so how long were we separated? I think about five or six months. And then we ended up actually getting back together briefly. Um, He came to the table and he actually heard me out when I talked to him about the sexual abuse. 
Um, it was really hard for him to kind of acknowledge. Um, he did seem to acknowledge it and, you know, apologize for it. And I felt with that, that I would be able to get past it, which maybe I would have, but then weeks later, um, it came up again and he kind of went backwards on it. And I was like, okay, like, <laughs> well, that's not going to work. Like you need to know what happened here so that I can trust that, you know, if you're aware of it, maybe you won't yeah. do that again kind of thing. And and came out with like this newfound like knowledge that it wasn't just like, not just simply like, this isn't good behavior, mm-hmm. but like, they, like that's the title. Here's what that is described as. Like you had this newfound knowledge that you could kind of present it in a way that it wasn't just, I don't know, for lack of a better term, like nagging or saying like, you know, like you're upset about something. Like it was very specific, yeah, right? Absolutely. Um, and yeah, so with that, like I kind of expected that's why I ended up getting back into the relationship in the first place was because I'm like, okay, he's taking ownership for this. He's he apologizing for it. It it seems to have sunk in. Like if he understands it, then, you know, maybe he can focus on that, work on that and that won't happen again. Yeah. Um, but then when a couple of weeks later, he kind of went back on it and then I was starting to see some micro um behaviors that were kind of similar to that so you know it's definitely a lot more cautious when it came to sexual intercourse but he also was you know like i would you know on an evening that we're spending together okay like i would like us to just you know watch a movie and cuddle or you know whatever like i don't want this to go any farther well then eventually he would kind of push it that way anyways and i'm like okay like you you didn't hear that or you know that didn't, you didn't really yeah uh, he didn't process what i just said yeah, did you? <laughs> so you know like it was starting to not to the same level but it was starting to kind of go that way again a little bit like, mm, yeah okay, something's not right here um and so we were only together again for two months um my mental health went so far down so my mental health wasn't good in our relationship and it was always blamed on postpartum easy thing to blame it on and yeah it's very common but that wasn't the problem. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, once maybe it wasn't postpartum, then it was, well, maybe you have bipolar or <laughs> there are all these different things that he'd come with that he yeah. would prescribe that is probably wrong with me and not the situation. Not looking yeah. inward. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, my mental health wasn't good. Then when we separated for the five or six months, Um, I wouldn't say that my mental health was, you know, pristine, but it definitely was better. I was still feeling quite lost after so long of living like that. I just, I didn't know what I was doing with my life. I wasn't really ready to go back to work. Um, I was just really confused. I was taking some time to do some things for myself that made me happy. And so I was definitely getting a lot better in regards to that. Um, but then yeah. when we got back together, my mental health was worse than it had ever been. Um, and that was kind of my turning point because uh, at the end of the year, it's actually New Year's Eve, I checked myself into the hospital because I was having some suicidal ideation. I wasn't acting on anything, but the thoughts were scary enough, especially being a mom of three. Um, and I yeah. personally also have a mom that has been suicidal, not that she has ever acted on it that I'm aware of but uh, I actually had to put her 
into a psych ward at one point um, to address her mental state. Um, and she has been kind of up and down since then forever. Um, Ever since, And so, yeah. you know, like this is something that I've dealt with as an adult. But I was like, I don't want to keep brushing this under the rug. If, I, if I'm having these thoughts, even if I don't feel like I would act on them, I need to address this because I don't want yeah. my kids to be raised like that. You know, say, like, yeah. I don't know when that's it's a whole new yeah, perspective. I don't know when that started for my mom. It could have been earlier and I didn't really know of it, but maybe it didn't start until later. And, and had it started younger, maybe yeah. I would have, you know, been more exposed to that kind of stuff. And I just didn't want that for my kids. And also on top of that, I want yeah. my kids to have a mom that's well. So I, I just, I went into the hospital to see, like, if there's some kind of imbalance, then maybe as much as I don't like medication, maybe I need to consider it. Um, I talked to victim services. I talked to a crisis worker. I talked to a doctor. I was in there for like nine and a half hours. Um, they never did admit me into the psych ward. I was just in the emergency area. Um, and they, after assessing me, they were like, we don't really feel like you need to be here. You can stay. We can admit you if you want to be admitted. But, you know, we feel that it's safe for you to go home as long as you feel safe to go home. And um, yeah. so, yeah, more or less, it was just a check in and um, make sure everything's OK. And yeah, they said it was fine. It's just more or less um, circumstantial. So, you know, and yeah. while they can't say, hey, you need to leave a relationship like there was, you know, the, the subtle I can point things out. There though. was the yeah. subtle, okay, well, this relationship is impacting you and you need to make a choice based on that. So, you know, it was, it was pretty clear that, you know, I knew what I needed to do. And so, yeah, yeah anyways, fun New Year's Eve. <laughs> yeah. Hey. And then I left and grabbed some McDonald's and went home and watched a movie. <laughs> <I> was... <laughs> hey. So anyways, uh, that was my turning point though, because after that, like I had ended the relationship, I, and I just started focusing on myself. Um, unfortunately, uh, where it hit even harder is that, um, the father of my children also tried to take the kids from me because of my mental health. So, you know, that was kind of like, that just felt like rock bottom to me. Like, you know, you already just feel so it, yeah. low that you were at the point of even having these ideations and have your kids yeah. taken away too. It was like, Oh wow. Like nothing worse could happen right now. Like not that nothing worse yeah. really could happen, but that's how it feels. And so I yeah. just, I had so much motivation to, you know, do better and get better. And so I went to weekly therapy um, with my main therapist. And then I had another therapist that I saw a few times as well. Um, and yeah, just kind of really working on it as much as I can, uh, checking in with my doctor as much as I could, um, doing a lot of work at home um, and, you know, filling my cup with more positive. So I keep seeing this video of people that are showing a glass of water where they put dirt in it. And instead of focusing on trying to scoop out all of the dirt, because you're also scooping out all of the water as well, leaving nothing left in there, they show to just pour yeah. more clean water in it. And eventually all of that dirt will just come out and you'll have clear water. Yeah. And so the point of that is uh, to that. pour more good into the cup. 
And so I started focusing on that. So, you know, I started focusing Uh on, I joined a sports team. Um, So not only was that good for my physical health, um, but it also got me socializing and and meeting new people and trying new things. Um, And I also, it's it's so much different than getting a gym membership because you go when you want to and I don't feel like it today. And when you're on a team, it's like, well, we have practice today. So you better. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, that was really good for me, Um, you know, uh, getting back into art, uh, hiking a lot. So just doing lots of things that made me happy and really starting to get Mm. out and actually meet new people because I hadn't for years. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, yeah. So, yeah, and anyone that I socialized with other than like my direct family was his people. And, you know, after separating too, like, well, now, you know, they're not my people. And so, you know, it was, I was pretty isolated in the relationship. And then I was, you know, almost more isolated when the relationship ended. Yeah. So, you know, just really focusing on what I could control and, uh, and yeah, focusing on what's good. I also started doing this thing, um, uh, focusing on what you can be thankful for or not even thankful. I'm sorry. Lucky. What makes you feel lucky? And rather than like, oh, well, I won the lottery today, kind of luck, Um, you know, like, oh, I went to the grocery store and I ran into an old friend today. Well, that was lucky. You know, things like that, that you can focus on that are smaller. So, you know, just a total mind shift and change of lifestyle. And yeah, like I, I don't feel depressed at all anymore. I don't have to take medication for it. I just changed my lifestyle. Um, Not to say that I'm happy 24 seven. That's not possible. But who is but, right yeah, now? Like I'm, I'm, I'm way better than I have been in years. <laughs> yeah. And all those things, you know, that you're doing, you know, moving forward here, do they help you not, you know, have the thoughts or even come close to, to, to having the, the, the idea of going back to him and, and starting, you know, you mentioned several times of like, you know, feeling like you were okay or like, you know, you didn't see it. So you like, you know, you just kind of kept going with it. And then, you know, eventually wait a minute, this was a bad idea. Like, or is there something else that kind of stops you now altogether of saying, no, they're like, this is, there's no part of that. This is healthy, you know, for, for me, for, you know, our children, for life, like, you know, moving forward. Um, how, you know, what, how, what, what helps you navigate that? I guess the best um, way to put it. I would say there's multiple aspects to that. Um, you know, recognizing that we tried multiple times and that didn't go over well. Um, I just, I don't see a whole lot of reason to try again, I suppose. Like how many, how many times are you going to do that? Many tries, um, yeah. I don't want to risk my mental health going that low again. Um, and so I would rather not even attempt that again, but even more so my kids, like it's so confusing for them, you know, for us to separate, get back together, separate, like, it's just, it's too much. So I think it's just easier to have a clean slate and keep it as it is and move forward rather than, you know, put them through that again. Even, Even if there is a chance that it could be good. Well, you know what? Like, We've, we had that chance a couple of times. We had enough time. We went through therapy together. We went to our own individual therapy. It didn't work. So, you know, I, and not to say that there, like, there's definitely a lot of inner work that I had to and will continue to have to do. Um, 
But I recognize that there's a lot of work that he would need to do for us to work as well. And I can't rely on what what yeah. could be in a relationship, right? Like the, um, I, I'm at a loss for words right now. The, um, uh, like when you're hoping that things can be a certain yeah. way, um, rather than focusing yeah. on what is, what is right now. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, well, thank you. Thank you for, for sharing the story. What's Your Story is produced by me, JD, with background piano music by Chad Lawson. These beautiful, inspiring, wonderful stories, they're all yours, listener. So if you've got a story you want to share, you can do so by heading to fragilemoments.org slash tellyourstory. If there's something that rang a bell with you today or something that truly touched your heart in today's episode, let me know by sending me an email at jd.jedi at fragilemoments.org. Or you can just tag the show at at StorySharingPod on Twitter as well as Instagram. Thanks once again for choosing to listen, and I look forward to hearing your story one day, because we all have within us a story to tell, a song yet unsung.